oh no, now you're going to be staring at the levels the whole time. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'll be like, yes, go, Moran. You're saying what you're saying completely. I agree. You're right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Oh, Luke, how you doing, man? How are you doing? You're done with school. Uh, I am done with one class. I have one more paper to write and one more class to attend. And I am. What's the paper? What's the, the paper? paper on? I basically have to take all of the uh, leadership. So I'm taking a nonprofit um, leadership class. It's been fantastic with an excellent professor who used to be in charge of the program. I've heard of many phenomenal speakers in this. It's, been re- it's actually been really, really good. I have to write a five, seven page paper about how I want to apply that or how I could apply that. So I've incorporated like, you know, uh, like about three or four or so of the lectures that I've heard. And uh, it's, I've really enjoyed it. I've really, really enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to put it to use. Mm. So we had a guy last week talk about like how to handle things with the media. And it was completely fascinating. I love it. I love it. Please tell me more. Um, I don't know how much I can give away. I don't. I don't know. I don't yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, like when you're doing stuff with the media, it, it made me think about the podcast a lot. Like you're in sales and wanted to put your best foot forward. Wanted to have a constantly going back to what's the message that you want to share and how to be intentional with it. I think that's the thing I've enjoyed the most about this class, and I think the program as a whole is I'm really seeing how to the importance of intentionality and where to apply it and what that actually looks like. So in just in terms of the media and stuff, just how to – a lot of it is building up relationships and how to control this. You, know, you can't really control the story per se, but what do you want to be sharing? How do you share it? How do you build up these relationships to where you um, can like share those things? How it's like a two-way thing, how you know you want the media to talk about things that you're doing. You you want to put things out there. You want to have relationships with, with these people so that um, it's not all just like handling bad stuff, although that is certainly a part of it. Yeah. So yeah, really interesting, really good stuff. I'll I'll, I'll tell you some more stuff off mic <laughs> that I thought nice. was interesting. So yeah. so you're getting your master's of nonprofit administration. Oh, sir, I'm getting an executive master's in nonprofit administration. What is the difference between a master's and an executive? So from what I understand, an executive master's is not necessarily harder or anything like that, but you're taking a little bit of like of a higher view over anything. So it's it's you everything that you need to know like a bit about just to be dangerous. So it's okay, here's the accounting that you need to know. So oh, you it's can for it's for people who are working professionals. Yeah. So this oh, assumes okay. that you are and that you are in a leadership position or you are going for that. So it's like as you know, head of an organization, how do you talk with your accountant? What are the things that you need to know? What are the things that you're going to need to to understand as it relates to stats what are the things that you're going to need to understand what are the things that you're going to want to 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 be able to do as it relates to there are certain things that are not necessarily more important but like directly apply to what you're doing such as board relations and which has come up a lot both in my law class and in my um, board class um and so you're you know i'm taking a, a marketing and a finance class and a – what's the other one? There is marketing and then I have then I um, have a finance and uh, I forget the other two because I'm taking – so over the summer I'll be doing uh, two mods again. So like two, two weeks and one is two classes but like one of the two weeks I'm taking three classes, ones for two weeks and then um, – the other two are like one week a piece, and I don't remember what they are exactly. Man, let me tell you, it's so funny. Uh, I, I just think this is so funny. So I'm on the Mendoza College of Business 
uh, website. So I'm going to put links in the show notes for this. I already yeah, got do it, it. Do it. Please. The Please. executive master of nonprofit administration. I feel like, Luke, they listened to the show while you were there during the summertime and just wrote this. Listen, listen to this third paragraph. When you graduate from the EMNA program, or as I like to call it, an enema. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You'll not only receive a degree from a legendary nonprofit university <laughs> renowned for advancing the greater good. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Could you hear? Could you hear us over us patting ourselves on our back? You will join a powerful alumni network <laughs> that's, that can help you affect even more change. That's very no matter true. the challenges you'll address. You in need the to sector. understand how powerful the Notre Dame alumni network is. It is ridiculous it hey, is the principal ridiculous. the principal of my school still I, I believe veronica has season tickets no not season tickets but her and her husband because they i think they met each other at notre dame they they go to games and they're all about it they're all about it yeah it people is a, from notre dame are like people from texas they're all about where they're from no it's it's very much a thing it's very and it uh there's already been one person i can't remember her name i apologize uh friend and i was supposed to call her on the phone i forgot because she had some had some questions about it we have one patreon supporter who is going to be joining the, the program over the summer next next year so i'm very excited about that it's a it's a phenomenal program and they they, they started it for priests and nuns was to, was to help them like run their orders and stuff, and to run um, oh, parishes cool. and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely is really deep um, Catholic roots and stuff. Oh, I, I remember one class I'll be taking will be nonprofit economics. So oh, nice. you're taking all these things which are like uh, basically, hey, here's the stuff you're going to need to know to run an, to run an organization well. According to the Economist, Mendoza's alumni network ranks number four in the world in. Alumni effectiveness. Yeah, it's a it's it's a it is a whole like the thing about Notre Dame that I truly truly love is they. I'm not kidding. You, they do community so well, and uh, you the minute you talk to a person and they know that you're going there or you uh, went there, it's like they will do anything they can for you. Yeah, it's 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 expected that you're there to like. There are just these expectations that 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 go along um, with it, and it's super cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm re- I, I love it. I was hanging out with Dave. He was he drove through Dayton with um, his wife and went and got dinner. Me, him, and Aaron and the, our, and um, and Everly and their kids and his wife Liz. It was fun. It was awesome. And it just I was able to do like a study thing last night. I'm, I'm getting excited for the for um, of the summer. But enough about me. Well, no, no, no. I got one last question. We're about getting you. Airbnb, and I'm so excited. <laughs> I got one more question about you. Mm-hmm. Have you ever? <clears throat> rubbed newt rockney's nose for good luck (laughs) no i have not done that okay student life in addition while you're on campus during your summer trips to south bend be sure to visit the basilica of the sacred heart to pray doesn't say light a candle in the grotto the grotto of who no need to mention that and rub newt rockney's nose for good luck all vital notre dame traditions (laughs) you'll be greeted by a priest in a rainbow stole Shut the hell up. <laughs> no, that just happened. I don't know if you know that. They're great. They are. Hey, listen, I love Notre Dame, and I am genuinely, genuinely jealous. It's fun. I, I think you would actually really, really like it. I think you would um, uh, I think you would really enjoy it. Man, we could get a lot of podcast material if I joined the school while you were there, but in a cohort <laughs> right behind you. <laughs> oh, my oh, gosh. Look. Look, Luke, they let me in. Luke, Luke, why <laughs> like, are you running away from me with I your liberal know. friends? I Luke. Don't know. 
Um, hey, I'm, Luke, later we're going to watch clips on YouTube of Ben Shapiro. <laughs> Luke, la, 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 la. Do you remember in college when we had Fox News on all the time? <laughs> hey, Luke, Luke, come back here. We're going to read National Review. <laughs> Anarcho-capitalism. Anarcho-capitalism. You know what I've realized about anarcho-capitalism? That it's uh, just a way to distract yourself from reality? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Before we go into the next topic, let's take a moment and talk about our sponsor, Rooted. Rooted for good. That's right. My wife loved the Rooted for Good products last time when they sent us samples that we spent all the advertising money on buying additional products. What is Rooted for Good? Premium all-natural ingredients that feel and smell wonderful and actually work. One time, when in an effort to save money, my wife made soap and such, and it uh, didn't last. didn't last because uh, it was gross. <laughs> So, these premium all-natural ingredients actually are wonderful and actually work. Love them. 10% off every purchase. Get this. Not just 10% of the profits. This is a very different, bold commitment on the part of Rooted for Good. Goes to uplifting the poor in developing communities. 10% of every purchase. Amazing skincare products for both men and women. You got bath soaks. You got sugar scrubs. As well as therapeutic-grade essential oils and diffusers. And let me tell you, I have them in my office because someone criticized my office at work as, quote, smelling like boy. So now I am, in fact, diffusing this stuff, and it is amazing. Now it's the Christmas season. Tis the season, my good friends. Rooted has incredible gift sets to treat your loved ones to, not just yourself, although you should also get it for yourself, with gift packaging options. I don't know if you're like me and you don't know how to wrap presents. They do it for you. Also, so many of the Rooted products are perfect stocking stuffers, like your favorite essential oil fragrance or their amazing hand cream made from real beeswax and frankincense. Get you in that holiday mood. Where do you find this stuff? You go to foxes.rootedforgood.com. You'll get 10% off your purchases. That's foxes.rootedforgood.com. Perfect timing for the holidays. Thanks to the fine folks over at Rooted for Good for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. What I realize about anarcho-capitalism, and for those of you who don't know, it's libertarianism. Anywho, uh, it's the most extreme form of libertarianism. But they basically there are no rules. There's there's nothing. <laughs> there's just there's just money. <laughs> no rules, just right. Outback Steakhouse. No, but what they I, I this is the insight that Matthew Crawford in his book The World Beyond Your Head that we've talked about a couple times here. Um, the insight that he makes, he says like, listen, I'm sympathetic to the liberal ideal or the libertarian ideal of human agency, like being free, like, yeah, free of constraint. He said, but what libertarians seem to not understand is that corporations are more powerful than governments and Facebook has more information on us than Stalin ever could get or, or, you know, the, the secret police in, in East Germany could ever get. And he's like, and that's the thing, like you have to realize that the coercive means is now in the hands also of mega corporations. So just, you just need to realize that, that that's a thing. And then I start, I went back to Patrick Deneen, who is at Notre Dame. If you ever go there, you should say hi to him. But uh, his book, Why Liberalism Failed, is, and we've talked about that before, is just he's saying, like, here's the problem. you got corporations on the one side of the coin and statism on the other, and they both reinforce each other. So don't think that – don't think that private privatization of, um, of wants is going to – save you from the public uh the public uh, i don't know tyranny or whatever mm-hmm. it's not and i was like yeah so today i was preparing my garage for our huge 
Thanksgiving, and I was listening to Why Liberalism Failed, as one does, happens. and uh, to drown out the noise of of Just Amira, which is a terrible YouTube channel that my kids have discovered, and they are so annoying. But I drowned it out listening to Why Liberalism Failed in my garage. And uh, the line that he was talking about was, uh, he said, it's amazing... I'm, I'm going to butcher the line, but he just basically said the idea was that if we privatized ultimate questions, why am I here? What is the good? What makes humans happy? What makes us flourish? If we privatize those questions and the the public good is only concerned about things that we all have in common, right? Like buying food and shelter and all that stuff, like commerce, right? Mm-hmm. He said mm-hmm. then they thought then we could have a, a, a place of tolerance, and he said, but it turns out that people who desire always low prices at Walmart actually have – they're not satisfied by just slightly cheaper goods. You know, they, they still are spiritual beings who have big questions, you know. And uh, I like that. I like that, that idea of like, you know, we really do destroy our neighborhoods for the sake of a dollar cheaper on socks. You know, like, mm-hmm. we, like we're okay mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. It's really interesting. So I was reading a thing for my uh, in my law book for her final, and I, I was on a part that really didn't have anything to do with what we were studying. But it was kind of interesting about like it's basically an argument for the nonprofit sector, and it's and so the idea it's it's that you give them as much you want them to like um, have this freedom to do things, and you want them to be able to try new things and to fail. Like like basically the like the risk of like you know people always talk about well why does Red Cross make eight million dollars you know or like all that stupid crap. But if you take a step back. The risks that you take, the people will, that will do, that will be wrong, that will be corrupt, and that they will make a, a that they will make a, a mistake, isn't as big as like the, the reward you get for people who are who are like working for the public good. It's through having the freedom to do that that they're able to make this stuff happen. I just thought that was kind of interesting. And I, I, I do think like the interesting part about it, I don't know like where this fits with what you are saying. And I'm not trying to. This is not like a counter argument to that at all but i i do think when you consider like the non-profit sector isn't a new thing it has very deep roots going back to like i mean there you know it's it is in the bible where they like certain groups aren't taxed because of the good that they do and what they want people to do with that to do with that uh, to do with that uh, to do with like money and a lot of the first organizations that you had here in the united states were actually what we we would consider to be nonprofit endeavors. You know, they want to build a bridge. They want to you know help people build their land. Or, so, like the bulk of like your businesses that were there had some sort of public good mindset. I mean, like they had a part of their mission was for the was for the public good. And this is where I kind of push back against this Dave Ramsey thing that he had brought up saying he was trying to encourage people to not form a nonprofit. And I and I I, I, I do understand his point. His point being like, no, it's fine if you want to make money off of some type of a ministry that you are um that you are doing. But my argument to that would be there are some things that just just because it's good doesn't mean it has to be profitable well, I mean, my, is the wrong I, word. But sorry. No, no, I, let me tell you, I, I think I have the perfect to me, in ministry, this is the perfect example of why a nonprofit exists. So look at Life Teen and look at Alpha, right? Life Teen wants to turn you into a Life Teen parish, but they offer you curriculum every year. They put on events, retreats, 
summer camps. That is to say, there are multiple products that, as a nonprofit, it makes sense for them to be nonprofits, uh, for them to build and structure and do all this stuff on and kind of build things around. But they're selling it. Their model is to be a pipeline into a parish, to supply a youth minister with youth ministry programs that are robust and Catholic and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. They could very easily have been a for-profit company. They very easily could have been if they wanted to because they really do have solid products in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mm-hmm. Ascension Press, I, I don't know if they've changed it, but in the past, Ascension Press has been a for-profit company because they didn't want – they thought, like, the market would push us to succeed. And uh, when I was talking with Matthew Pinto very briefly over it, he was like, yeah, you know, we're the only people in this whole space that are for-profit because – I just felt like we're selling these products that are so compelling. Why would I need to take donation dollars and all this stuff? Then you look at Alpha, and Alpha sells one, really two products, Alpha for teens and Alpha for adults, the Alpha program. But what do they do? Like, here's the thing is there's not really a market for Alpha. Because it's not a youth group that you already have that you need content for, like Life Teen. It's not adult faith formation that you're trying to put on a good Catholic Bible study so you go out and buy it. This is for people who don't go to church. So the people Mm -hmm. who are going to put it on have to be people who buy into it. And often it's not the parish. It's individuals in a parish or at a church or at a you know church related thing and so by being a nonprofit what they do is they get all of this income coming in to sell essentially one product right that that changes maybe every 3 years with the refilming yeah. but yeah. it's essentially the same thing that it's been for the last 45 yep. years or whatever yep, yep. And that, and it doesn't make sense for them to try to be even closely, even resemble the Life Team version of a nonprofit. You know, let alone a, because there's no market for, there's no market in a, in a typical traditional marketplace for Alpha because people who are unchurched are not going to look to a church. Uh, how do I become churched? Yeah, you know. Oh, you just made my point. Oh gosh, see, I was. Sorry, everyone. It's late. We're gonna at some point in time. We're gonna try to address how how late we record and see what we can change because that was, was like there's a point I'm trying to make and I'm forgetting it and you just made it. That's the idea of um, contract failure, which is that. Um, and you can see there's a little bit of like a market failure with this as well, which is that this is a good that people should be engaging in, but they don't. The there's not a demand for it, even though there should be one. Like we could argue that like it should be people should want to know about God. They should want to know about like who is the Lord and like is this like is this unreal or not? They should be engaging with these things in a group with people they can actually um talk about it as opposed to like with their like Richard Dawkins book and Reddit. Um. <laughs> and but the problem is is that um, people aren't aren't doing that. So you have this good that's going completely ignored because basically the markets have said no, even though it's a thing that they actually do need. There's just not a demand yeah. for it, right? So and then you, so you have this third party who's willing to pay for these things so these people can have that value because they see it as a good. And that's where I think Dave Ramsey and he would probably admit. I think it's wrong to say like there should be less non profits or you don't like because well part of the reason why they why they exist is because we have this thing where the, where like the markets do fail just because the markets have said no doesn't mean that that's what's right I think that's one of the problems with liberalism and we're t- and we don't mean like the left where we're talking about the political like, of a theory 
of yeah. liberalism is that if people don't want it, then it's not important. Well, I, mean, right? I, I, I know that's not a tenet of it, but like, y- what, what you would you I'm... say is? Yeah, no, I mean that the people only perceive value, and the problem is like this is the problem with liberalism as a whole is if you're the one in charge of what people see of the if you're the one who gives the people the options and you control the options they get. What is freedom when you get to decide what they can and can't partake in? Exactly. So that's the critique of of media and culture is that, like, there really is an intentional effort to to bracket things and not present them to the the populace or to present them always from a distorted thing, right? And you see this if ever – if ever you've been on the receiving end of a news media attack – you realize, oh my gosh, they had their narrative before they ever called me. They had their narrative already set in their heads. And, and I'm not saying like liberal versus conservative and ivermectin and things like that. I'm just talking about like whatever the narrative is, they already have it set. They're just looking to confirm the narrative. Mm-hmm. And it's so bizarre when you feel that way. But you would take that notion and you just expand that even wider. And you look at markets and marketplaces. The people that believe in, you know, let's just say youth ministry. They're the ones who will donate to Life Team because maybe they had a conversion or a priest found his vocation at a Life Team youth group, right? It's not the teens in the youth group that are like, I'm going to give my money to Life Team, mm-hmm. right? And yep. so that's – now maybe they might buy some books or go to a Sumville youth conference, right? So you're paying to go to the conference. But they're not seeing that, right? They're not – and Life Team won't see money from those kids, but it makes sense for a nonprofit to be there – to collect that revenue from someone who's actually so it's still a marketplace like they're still putting their money where they believe it should go but it's a completely different model than i'm buying a good or service right now it's i'm making sure these goods and services exist for others in the future here's my money please take it and this is a one of the reasons why i really like the emna program is because if you have a product you get immediate feedback if you have a service, you get it. You have immediate feedback. If if you are for if you are for for profit like um, entity. So for us, if we don't get our downloads, if we don't get this, we don't get ads, we don't get a Patreon people. Like we can tell when people are not liking the um, shows or they're not liking what 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 we're doing or or, or um, different things. I'm like that. Like we get that immediate um, feedback right right there. At a nonprofit, you don't necessarily have that because people who receive the value are not the ones who are paying for it. Not, that's not always the case, but um, quite often it it is. So when you have a person like I kind of agree with people who hate the word nonprofit, although I'm not yeah. like as upset about that because it implies that like you don't want to be making money or that's not really um, what it's about because right. it, it is. It, it, I mean, it's a corporation. It is. It is. Yeah. It, is a, it is an incorporated entity. Like it's. It is. It is a business. Um, it's just not one that where the goal is to give um, all the major like to, to you don't basically all it means is that any of the profits you make don't have to go back into the business not to any of the any of the stakeholders it's called the non distributional constraint hmm. so that's the only thing that really is that and the like um, tax exemptions obviously but that that's the that's the big difference though and so. And that's why I think a lot of people who have a business background who then go to a nonprofit, especially as it relates as it relates to fundraising, sometimes tend to fail because they don't understand that it's you that um, 
you're trying to churn through sales, and, and you, you um, see this out with, with with people who um raise who like raise money. They try to raise too much too fast, and you're not actually building anything that has weight behind it. Um, so then what happens is you actually aren't reporting back to people because you've got to communicate to people who paid for it. Here's what is going on. You're not really you're not really uh, reporting back. So then you lose them. And you're churning through them, and they feel burnt. They're like most people who feel burnt by a not by by a um, nonprofit. It's not that they use their money badly. And qu- quite often, like they they just like understand that you're just trying to do this good stuff. It's that no one told them anything. Yeah. So I'm on this thing, and it says the nonprofit or non distribution constraint is a concept associated with nonprofit corporations that gives them a greater degree of trust. When compared to many for-profits, this benefit comes from the term nonprofit, which means they cannot use or keep a profit they make. Following from this, the organization has said not to be able to distribute their profit, and this concept can be seen within the non-distribution constraint considered mm-hmm. uh, because businesses making profit can give it to upper-level workers and have greater freedom in how to use the money. Its relevance is increasing uh, in increasingly as nonprofits increasingly compete with for-profit businesses. And it's amazing because – like you see this when like even in for-profit companies this instance where you know you go to a salesman and they're just hammering you and then you realize oh they get a commission right versus a salesman who if they don't get a commission they say and just to let you know if you need any help i'm here to help at any time i do not get a commission per sale so i can tell you the truth i've had so many salesmen on like like a best buy or something like that those types of places, they'll tell you that because it's like, listen, just because I'm trying to make a sale, you can trust me because I'm not, I'm not getting a share of the profits. I think that's, that's like a funny, like, uh, uh, analog to non-distribution constraint. It, Interesting. And, I like that. And, and, and I would say that like people who are like, are like in sales, like good sales is delivering a value and not trying right. to screw people over. And, and right. that's why like good, like, but it, you, you see this, like I've just seen it, a, a, couple times where people it's just there's a little bit of a um it's just a different animal like so many of 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 the principles of apply but they're sometimes applied in a different context yeah interesting yeah so what's the difference between contract failure and market failure is there a difference i would say um with a con with a contract failure there's a conscious um, attempt by the the third by a third party to um, make something happen. So okay, so so take the example of like a nursing home. Uh, you may not have people who really want to make one because they don't see them as like being profitable. So there is the so there's the market of failure uh, there. Uh. But why it's a contract? Why it is a um, contract failure though is because you have like you have the kids who are going well. Hey. I'll pay this group right here to take care of like of like dad, and so that's the that's the contract affiliate part because the dad is even though the dad receives the value, he's not paying for it per se, or he's not 
Yeah. E- even if it's his money, he's not making the decision often to pay for that. It's the, it's the kids that are doing that. So, so let's say he has like Alzheimer's in this case. So that's so it's like basically you really ha- you um have a you have a uh, a market like failure, but then it's the contract um, failure is where that bridge happens. If I'm if I'm getting my terms right, yeah. This uh, the Wikipedia page. I think this is fascinating. Yeah, it is describes a situation in which the consumer of a good or service is unable to evaluate its quality. Thus, incentivizing the producer to produce a lower quality good or service. Mm-hmm. Such behavior creates suboptimal economic conditions. Contract failure is one explanation for the existence of nonprofits, although even nonprofits can fall victim to it. Contract failure is connected to, but it's distinct from market failure. Generally, nonprofit organizations are more trusted because their corporate structures do not provide incentives to cheat. That's yeah. interesting. I yeah. Like that. So, like, and, and, oh, and, Luke, I am learning so much about the see, world around me. And it, now, it, it doesn't mean that, like, so the idea is just, it's just like, would you rather have dad go to a place where they might have to cut costs or a place where they're like, hey, we're not going to, we're trying to provide the best service we can. Now, th- and this is why, though, a lot of non, the best thing you can do for a nonprofit is write them a blank, a, um, um, blank check. Because if you don't and you restrict those funds, they then have to start cutting corners and stuff. This is like, and so this is why the start the um, overhead uh, myth or or the starvation cycle or or like however you want to call it is so is so dangerous because it actually, in my opinion, can can pr- prohibit a nonprofit from providing an adequate service. This idea that like um, most nonprofits should have around at least twenty percent um, in in overhead costs to be run well, but you see a lot of Catholics who want to see that below ten, below ten percent, which is the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, so this is this is cool because they talk about it's information asymmetry, where the producer has more information than the other party, aka the consumer. So they says there's three different reasons why you would have this inequality of information. One, the quality of your product or service is too complex, such as medical care or higher education. To the end consumer of the product or service cannot evaluate it for him or herself, such as a child in daycare or an elderly individual in a nursing home. And three, the product or service is not consumed by the individual who purchased it. Therefore, the purchaser would never know if the product delivered was what was promised. Ah, oh, that's so fascinating. Luke, speaking of which, let's throw it to our good friends that you can trust at scapulars.com. The makers of the finest merino wool uh, scapulars known to man. <laughs> You, yes, I'm talking you, super hip, cool individual, deserve a scapular as strong as your devotion. Don't be caught dead with that one. I'm serious. Uh, for every individual scapular purchased on this site, scapular.com, that's scapulars.com. So for every individual scapular purchased on their site, they will give away one free to an elderly person who needs it. Oh, my God. Beautiful. It's all part of their mission to vest the world. Holy crap. Everyone right now, we all know how much we love old people. Go buy a, go buy a scapular from scapulars.com right now. The scapulars are strong, super durable, American-made cord that makes the scapular the sturdiest in the world. In fact, if it wears out from normal use, they'll replace it for free. Guys, this place is amazing. The scapulars are soft. A scapular isn't a half shirt, people. It doesn't have to feel itchy or uncomfortable. They use super soft Australian, so you know it's American and Catholic, Monero, let's just say Monero wool, so it feels more like a warm hug from your mother than a tough penance. This is great. Everyone loves a good hug from Patty. The scapulars are innovative. The original size scapulars patent pending, patent pending, design includes a pocket for your sacred metal.
metals so they don't wear down or break the cord. Is this the greatest company in the world? Their goal with scapulars.com was not just to create the most durable and comfortable scapular ever made, though they're very proud of that fact. They exist to share the devotion of the brown scapulars so as to place all Catholics under the protection of Our Lady. If there's anything that we, we need right now, it's to be more like and be under the protection of the Blessed Mother. So let me tell you a bit about Steve, the guy who started scapulars.com. He and his family have a strong devotion to Our Lady and the brown scapular, but their cheap, flimsy scapulars kept breaking or irritating their skin. Uh, understandable. And with nine kids, good gosh, way to go. The cost was adding up, so he did up something about it and created scapulars.com. Your purchase of two or more scapulars, they ship for free. So everyone, buy it for yourself, buy it for the elderly person who needs it. This is a wonderful company. Take advantage of, of what they're doing. Again, go buy it. a really cool, awesome scapular from scapulars.com. Tell them the Catching Foxes sent, sent you there. We're so excited to have them as a sponsor. I hope I'm pronouncing scapulars right. And uh, yeah, thank, thank you again to scapulars.com for being a sponsor on today's episode of Catching Foxes, America's ninth favorite Catholic podcast. All right, Luke, I have a couple questions for you. All right. Go. I actually scripted this out. I planned. <laughs> I thought about this. Hey, hey, okay. Hey, oh, okay. That. Wait. Can I? Can you yes. edit this 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 part out? I'm serious. Maybe. Anyways. Oh, what do you want to say, Gomer? What do you want to ask? I, I just want to ask a question. What are you doing for Thanksgiving, man? It's not 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 complex. What are you doing? I for Thanksgiving? am getting up in let's say seven hours. Actually, in up seven hours, I will be starting to pack the car. Uh. And we are going to be driving to, um, I believe it's in like westernish Kentucky and Cumberland Falls, Montessori area out in Kentucky. We go there almost almost every year now. It's, it's kind of become our thing. Just uh, Aaron's uh, uncle and aunt to have a um, have a cabin there. So her um, nice. cousins are going to be there, and they're very cool. And then her other and like everyone there, everyone who's going to be there, just they're all just awesome, and I love hanging out with them. And her, her other aunt, aunt and uncle are there. It's it's very fun. So yeah, so I'm driving That's down right. there. I remember that. I remember you talking about that last year. Yeah, yeah, I really do enjoy it. I sent a um, a meme to you today, which is a picture of Will Ferrell cracking open uh, a beer, and it says you me did? after zero point five seconds of arriving at a family gathering. Yeah, right, I bought so much <laughs> alcohol for like barely being there for twenty four hours. <laughs> So what it, what is what is it like there? Is, is there anyone like is everyone just understood like this is a great break, relax, vacation? Is there any uptightness? No, you know, any no. Uh, no, not uptightness in terms of like people going to look down at you and judge, but like eh, I got to impress people. No, no, it's there. Everyone's very chill, very very um, very salt of the earth, very um, uh, just like just just fun, very chill and relaxed. And I, I wouldn't say every, anyone's real heavy drinker or anything um like that besides me so <laughs> i'm 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 bringing like a lot of alcohol but it's more just for options so i've got my bourbon i've got my wine and i've got my martinis and so i'm like all right we're good so i'm Such not bringing a- any beer that's the only thing i'm not bringing which i'm like <sighs> drinking bold, some yingling right now I'm bold choice luke yeah oh. something i go back and forth i, I feel like I'm, I'm i feel like i'm creeping into another beer kick we'll see what happens when I fly up there or drive up there, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going drinking. We're going drinking. We're going drinking, what, going what drinking at Cross Creek Tavern. I, uh, uh, yes. I'm, I'm super excited about my Thanksgiving plans. And in a way, you could say my Thanksgiving has already started. Um, so my parents are coming and Heard my brother. Him. So we host every year, my parents and my brother. And, you know, my parents 15 minutes away. My brother's about 25. And then my cousin lives here, Anthony, and his wife, Jessica, and their kids live here 
and um, God rest his soul, Luke. Um, this will be the second Thanksgiving without him. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, that sucks. Um, but his sisters, Abby and uh, Sophia, will be here. Abby's married and has a kiddo, little baby. And uh, so they'll, so Abby and her husband and the baby and Sophia and Anthony and Jess will be here. And then my buddy Brian Jones was talking to me and he said, well, you know, my in-laws that we live two doors down from, they're going to Colorado with the other son, you know, other kiddo. So we're not, we don't have anyone local. So can we come over to yours? And we were like, heck yes. So it's Brian and Michelle and their four daughters are coming over. Oh, that's fun. Big, big fun. Then I was talking to my new youth minister, Sammy and PJ, who we hired uh, here. And, uh, you know, I'm hired a married couple, which is is interesting. And I was talking with them. I said, are you guys planning on anything for Thanksgiving? And he's like, no, 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 I don't think we are. You know, we go out for Christmas, but really Thanksgiving we stay here. And I was like, why don't you and Sammy come over to my house? So now we have uh, <laughs> now we have three families plus our family. And then Sammy and PJ are coming over. And then the next day, PJ was like, oh, forgot to mention, my sister is coming in from out of town. Can she come too? And I was <laughs> like, to yeah. mention." And he's like, oh, that's awesome. Oh, and she's celiac. Whatever. Just come on. Come all. And then, uh, then we were telling our other friends how excited we are that the Joneses were coming over and all these people. And they said, well, you know, our parents are going to go visit our other sibling for Thanksgiving. Could we come over too? And we're like, yes. And they have five kids. So they're coming over. And then the other day I was in the lobby who, of the who, old. Who uh, else is coming? So I was in the lobby of the old uh, the old church and I'm having a 10-minute conversation with this guy about young adult ministry. I said, listen, man, let me give you my card and you can call me. He looks at the card and he goes, Michael Gormley? Do you know Drew Gormley? And I go, yeah, he's my nephew and godson. And he goes, Siobhan, his wife, is my sister. And I was like, oh, you're a Sweeney. And then we started laughing. And then my next thing was, so what are you doing for Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> so he's coming over. Hopefully. Oh, hopefully. Awesome. I gave him my my contact information. He hasn't you know, guaranteed that. But um, so funny. So at 1 o'clock, we're doing the midday kind of celebration. We always do that. That's and it's doing. my son Noah's birthday. It's my son Noah's oh, birthday tomorrow. Fun. Yeah, so we celebrated most of it today. I always do a thing. One of our traditions is daddy takes off work and takes you to lunch. So whether it's my girls or my boys, I take them out to lunch wherever they want to go. And then we get some sort of ice cream dessert afterwards. And then they get to pick the dinner that night. So Noah chose McDonald's. It's two years in a row now. And because it was about to rain and I still had to mow the yard, I had to steal Joey Joey Muckenthaler. Oh, there's a funny thing. Joey Muckenthaler said I could borrow his lawnmower. So I text Joey and Angie. They live one street behind me. And I say, hey, can I get the code for your garage? I know you're gone on, on your Thanksgiving vacation. And Joey sends back. I have to read this to you, Luke, because I need your help. He said, I will give you the code to my, <laughs> to my uh, garage if you can answer this riddle. <laughs> I love Joey. My challenge has made men throughout time stumble. I have defeated kings and left wise men humble. You see me now, but I am almost but I am most often heard and have killed men when with bullets paired. You might break a sweat when fighting with me, but I'll exert no pressure on your body. With a direct approach, you can never find victory. Work laterally rather than literally. What am I? I have no idea. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that was difficult. And I, <laughs> what was I the just, answer? I don't know. I just I texted <laughs> at first. <laughs> fire? I said, oh, I should have said fire. I said wind. Because when he talks about breaking and breaking a sweat, I don't know, a direct approach, like a high, high winds. That, that was the, I didn't know. So I'm gonna. I didn't want to Google it. You know, it was one of those things. So this is this is my Thanksgiving. Me and my wife are hosting thirty people ish people <laughs> for a house that comfortably holds fifteen. Do people um, like bring uh, food and stuff? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So Shannon has brined no, our no, turkey. It's all Shannon. <laughs> it's all Sh- yeah. So Shannon had this list on the wall. We have a dry erase board in our kitchen, and she's like trying to track everything. So she's like Monday start ice cream cake with Noah. Do layer one, and she's like writing all these cooking and cleaning stuff. And it's literally like eight things for every day. And then I wrote Daddy's Thanksgiving prep list. Nap. Eat, <laughs> eat mommy's food. Uh, <laughs> avoid going to work. Uh, hide from my family in office. <laughs> Talk with Luke. <laughs> Schedule extra podcasts with Van Vickle when possible. No, it was. it's just funny. So we've bought new outdoor furniture. We've put mm-hmm. a, I, I paid a guy to high, uh, hang my Christmas lights. So we got Christmas lights. So we took our extra Christmas lights, and my wife threaded them beautifully in the backyard. So we have multicolored lights in the backyard and white that um, lines our house. I like it. Yeah. So it's been it's been nuts, but we've been going nonstop. So I took off work. I did a half day on Tuesday. I was off all day today. Um, and then I'm going to Waco with the Jones family on Friday and Saturday. So this is like the first two family vacation we've had in a very long time and then finally on the 28th i'll see the texans the houston texans nfl football game with the bork family and then uh give a parish mission there you go all on the same day that's fun nice a little bit of like um win 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 hey guys i know what you're thinking you're looking at me like how is this guy sunburned in november well that's actually me blushing from the amount of alcohol i drink (laughs) at the texas game (laughs) Woo, go texans (laughs) Yeah. Now time for adoration. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Balthazar says this thing, and like Luke goes on a rant, and I'm like, I just loathe him. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing. I, I did this apologetics class on. I hate how right he is most of the time. <laughs> uh, Balthazar, yes. Uh, no, I did this apologetics class for these seniors, juniors and seniors in high school, and it was on Mary and and. Just, I was I was just totally full of myself and enjoying talking. And at the end, I met with a couple kids who had some follow-up questions. And this one girl is standing about six feet off to the right, and she's just smiling ear to ear. And then she takes this huge step in when I mentioned something about podcasts. Because someone's like, well, I want to hear more about what you were talking about. It's like, okay, let me recommend some podcasts. And she goes, oh, you can talk about everything you shop out or Catching Foxes. Catching Foxes is so much fun. I love Catching Foxes. And I just looked at her and I was like, you're not supposed to listen to that. And she's like, I know. (laughs) That's awesome. And then last thing, this guy, Ryan, who is a fan of the show, I'm in this intense meeting with this mother and and son, and we're talking about faith, and they want to convert. And I'm walking them to their front door. I open the door of my office, and I step on a grocery bag right in front of my door. And I'm like, what the heck is that? I'll, I'll get that later. I was like, that's weird. Someone left that outside my office. So I take them out, say goodbye, walk back. I grab this grocery bag. I put it on top of my desk, and it has three things in it. Item number one is store-bought cookies, uh, chocolate chip, I believe. Go Item on. number two was uh, chaps, 
I think they call it uh, potato chips. They're uh, Louisiana potato chips. And then there was a letter, and it was a handwritten letter from this guy, Ryan, who was thanking me for catching foxes. And he was driving by, and he thought, I'm, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive, uh, drive by and I'll write this card for him and Luke and let them know what the podcast has meant for me. And uh, he's really good, uh, we'll say, friends with Darby that we had on the show that you talked to on the show. Oh. Good old Darby. I, I think I know what's going on. Yeah. Is this, is it? Yeah. Okay, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So he's like, he still doesn't like the cussing and the dick jokes. But we've uh, helped whatever. him. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> we haven't done too many dick jokes lately. I plan on bringing them back. But uh, no. We have but a we... tiny amount of time. Uh, we have a tiny, tiny amount of time. But the thing about time, it's so kind of like our friend Raymond Arroyo. It's not the size. It's how you use your time that matters. Sometimes <laughs> it's okay. No, we can remember. either confirm or <laughs> deny how you use time. That's it. That's my Thanksgiving plan, man. I'm swinging for the fences this this week. That's it's awesome. beautiful. It's beautiful. We're going to have 30 something people here. Most of many of whom, not most, don't know each other. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You've got booze. Uh no, that's awesome. You should just run a, a like church hall. Or just use my house. Duh. Yeah, oh, you, you know what I did for my wife for Christmas? Have hmm. you is your wife easy to buy Christmas gifts for? Um Yes, in the sense that it's like, this is the exact thing that I want. <laughs> any any further information? Just <laughs> no, that, no, that's it. Sorry. Sorry. I got distracted by the Discord. Um, uh, oh, Luke. So I was trying to find something about Darby, and I was like, oh, I'll get to it later. <laughs> so you said it's, it's, it's easy in the sense that you know exactly what it is. What makes it like... Why are you hesitant with that? Do you like that? Do you not like that? Because sometimes it's just like she doesn't really know what she wants. And then it's just like, okay, here goes nothing. Uh, <laughs> and it always usually oh, works out. Gotcha. But sometimes okay. sometimes Aaron can be a little particular with what she wants. And so I'm always like, oh, if you don't give me anything, I don't really know what to do. So, I mean, I, I'm, I can come up with a pretty good, I mean, and she's always happy with anything that um, I get her. I just get nervous. Quite often when I bring up an idea, she shoots it down. So there's <laughs> just, you know. Have you ever bought her something that she hated? Uh, yes, but it's because she was expecting me to propose. So, you know. Shannon has at the ready a story about me that I am incredibly embarrassed about. But it happened, and I didn't even know I did it. And it, she told me it like four years ago, five years ago, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" I totally remember that night, and I did not know that's what was going on in your head. We we had dinner over at some friends' house who are also fans of the show. Hey, y'all! Shannon told them the story when, like, we were broken up, and then we got back together. And I used the line, "You're my vocation." I don't know if I'm called the marriage. I'm just called the you, or something like that. Some incredibly awesome Catholic cheesy line. And I said that to her. Um, and then the next, we were going to go out on a big date and I wanted to, I just wanted to woo her because I just broke up with her and I felt like garbage. Right. So I go out and I buy all this money on really nice clothes and I take her to Fogo to Chow for the first time, which is incredibly expensive. It was like, what is that again? Is that the meat Fogo, place? Yeah. It's the meat place. Ah, meat place. So good. Uh, so yes. good. Where, where a bottle of mediocre red wine is 
10 times the price you know yeah, like whatever you just fl- okay so here's how, here's how this place works you get what is basically a coaster one side yeah. is it one side is red one side is green you have and if you want meat you have it um, over on the green side. If you don't, you have it over on the red side. They just bring meat over to you, and you just get whatever you want. It's the greatest thing in the world, and I want to go back right now. Yeah, I go. We go there every year for our anniversary. There's <sighs> one here in the woodlands. Sorry. Okay. So go on. But I'm just saying, it's incredibly expensive. Even when it doesn't have to be, it's still incredibly expensive. So, uh, so I take her. I'm wearing like brand new clothes. I looked great. I took Shannon out. She's stunning. We had a wonderful time. We're flirting. It is beautiful. And then I said, I have a surprise for you when we go back to your place. And we go back to her place and she thought it was going to be, and she's talking with her girlfriends. They're like, do you think tonight's the night where he's going to propose? And then I pull out, I didn't even realize I was doing this. I pulled out a box and she thought it Wait. was the ring. Were you dating at this point yeah, in time? Or were you? Yeah. Okay. We had okay. just gotten so, back together. This is, that's right. This is fall 2008. And I pull out a box, and that box is my church's iPad or iPod video. Oh, God. You're such a piece and of I shit. And purchased, I had purchased RCA cables. You remember her TV had those RCA jacks uh-huh. right on the side? Yeah. yeah and yeah, I go, yeah. I downloaded all of season two of The Office onto my iPad video. We can watch it. And I remember watching it, and I'm, like, dying laughing, and she's so mad. And I'm like, I guess I'm just going to go home. <laughs> so I'd say, yeah, sometimes it's difficult to know what Shannon wants. <laughs> so with Aaron, have, have I not told you this story before? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. I'm pretty sure I have. But uh, I mean, so I apologize if you've heard it before. But so I get her a gift and I write her this really sweet card where I write out a paragraph from the book Blue Like Jazz because it's me. And right. so I write out this so she say she sees me and I, and I write this really long card. And I put it I put it all together. And so she opens up her gift and she like reads the card and she cries and she's all happy and blah 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 blah. So then she gets this gift and it's like and it's like feels it feels like a um piece of clothing and she opens it up and it's a and it's like this red shirt, and she opens it up, and in there is like some jewelry that I got her that was very cheap. I mean, it was like over at it was kind of I, I got her something else that was nice. I don't remember like what it was, but this was kind of like the fun part, which is just like she likes. There was some stuff we saw at Target, and she really um, liked it. So I got her like a bunch of the jewelry from there. I mean, again, like real, it's not like very unfancy stuff, like costume so. jewelry type stuff. Yeah, that just like just like you know, kind of like cheap stuff that they yeah they wear for like everyday use. That she just she had just she said like, oh, I really really um, liked that. She liked the style a lot. And then the shirt was a shirt of uh, Clint Dempsey. <laughs> Which is a soccer player on the U.S. men's um, national team at that, at that point in time that she that she really liked because he was from Texas and had a he has a real Texas um, attitude and swag to him. <laughs> and I'm like, it's Clint Dempsey's face on a shirt, and she goes, "Oh, thank you." And then I don't remember what the other gift was. I feel like there was a third thing. And then when she goes, "Okay, on uh, let's just keep going now." I'm like, because we were like packing, or I don't remember like what what we were doing. And I'm like, "Well, that was that was weird." So we just you know kind of keep going. And then the next day I call her. I'm like, "Hey, like I know like sometimes like I don't have the best ideas, or like I don't always understand like what you want, but like I I was thought that was kind of a fun gift I got you. Like you know just kind of 
it was supposed to be like, hey, here are some stupid things that you like. You know, kind of was was the idea. Not like not like it's dumb because you, you, you like it. it. Was just like it was not like a gag gift even, but it was more just like a funny gift was the idea. And she goes, so I was like, I don't know why you're mad about this. I just, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I just thought it was kind of funny. And she goes, oh, I thought you were going to propose. And I was like, what? <laughs> Women are so clueless, right? right? Am I right? It's not us. We're great. <laughs> you know, we get it. <laughs> it was the funny shirt and, and Julie from Target. What's not the love? What? It's season two of The Office. It's perfect. It's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Shannon, it is 2007. This is golden. <laughs> oh, man. We are truly clueless when this stuff no, 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 no. Okay. Come on. Here's Come the on. thing. Come I on. get it. I get it. But it's also like... I mean, if if you're not, if I don't know, like it's what I'm not like one of those things where it's like, oh, aren't men stupid? Because I'm like, no, you were just doing a thing that you thought that like you liked, you thought was nice, and you were going on with your day. Not like you know, <laughs> just because like, you weren't just because you weren't proposing doesn't mean that you don't care or you weren't like I'm ready. I mean, you weren't ready, but I was not ready though. <laughs> Just because you didn't propose didn't mean that you were ill-equipped for, you know, adult life in general outside of anything other than youth ministry and <laughs> drinking with your friends. Yeah. <laughs> I see nothing wrong with this. <laughs> I was talking with this young adult guy the other day, and uh, and I was just telling him how difficult it was when I broke up with Shannon to realize, like, oh, it's actually my fault because I'm acting like a child. And I said... You know, we dated for years, and you usually don't hear that from Catholics. Right? You date for like a year, year and a half, and then you're getting engaged. And I just said, you know, we just I just got into this rhythm of I, I loved my life. I would wake up at 10. I would go to work at noon. I would work until 10. I would be home at 1030 or 1045. Hell, half the time I didn't even go home. We just went right to the party bar, which mm-hmm. was six minutes from my house, mm. and we would hang out till you know midnight, <sighs> one o'clock, two o'clock. Then we go home, play Halo, listen to Rush Limbaugh, and go to bed. Eat some water burger. What's the problem with this? Eat some eat eat some taquitos. Eat some you know it's a broad cultural experience. <laughs> <laughs> Who can say what was wrong with that? Answer: No one. Except I was a child. It infantilized me. At a certain I mean, point, you really do have to murder the boy in order to become the man. It does. And I didn't get that. I did not get and that. It, so Shannon murdered him for me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, okay, it's not – I'm going to push – I am not trying to make fun of anything. Oh, here we go. No, 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 you no, cried, no it's not, I'm not bringing that up. That's not, um, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm that is part of a collective whole. It's not <laughs> so much that like Shannon murdered the boy. It's that Shannon walked away and the boy had a long drawn out suicide that he made everyone watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget. I'll never forget Kelsch at my parents' house and he's trying to console me. And he just says, listen, brother, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I just looked at him and without missing a beat said, yeah, I know there is. And it's an oncoming train. And he goes, <laughs> all right. And he does the standard Brian thing. Both hands up in the air. He goes, all right, buddy. You just got to deal with this on your own. <laughs> like you're real. And I'm like, gosh, I could, like, I could hear it. I could hear it, mm-hmm. but I couldn't turn it off. No, I, I know. couldn't. I, I couldn't. <laughs> If you or someone you love is battling with emotional, uh, dramatic 
Fake depression. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, please get him to a podcast <laughs> microphone as soon as possible. <laughs> help your friend help himself. Get him a podcast. <laughs> you can tell by where you were at based on your Facebook Just because I was choosing to use the Stations of the Cross to illustrate where I was spiritually. I feel deep things. Deep. Oh my gosh, dude. Okay, so I. Wait, wait, wait. Do you remember which one it was? I I I mean, um, Jesus is stripped of his garment. Yes, that's right. Why are you taking everything from me, Lord? (laughs) (laughs) It's all your fault, not mine. It was the woman that you put here with me. This could just be a ten minute prayer topic in my head during adoration, but everyone must say this. Yeah. Oh gosh. And God, I'm think- witnessing, Lord. I'm witnessing to other people what it's like to struggle with pain. Wait. Eloi Eloi Lama Sabachthani. What are you doing now? Eloi Eloi. It's complicated. Wait, what's this voyeurism that you're speaking of? I'm sorry, I don't get that. Yeah. Uh, what, Facebook flagged your post as <laughs> As exhibitionism, <laughs> the wanton display of personal matters in a public forum. I'm being crucified. Oh my gosh. By love itself. <laughs> Did you see my face? The thing I put on the Patreon a couple weeks ago? Uh, no. No, oh my but gosh. I got 4,000 emails. Okay. In response to whatever it was. So there's a Facebook. So you know how like, Facebook has Facebook memories, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. I desperately went off of it, but because I'm I'm on there for, for some event stuff, and I haven't I'm deleting, and I kind of have to be on there for work, so it's kind of annoying. But brings up this memory from guess when, and it's mm. 2008, Luke. <laughs> yeah, and oh, it this says, is so funny. Oh my gosh, did you pull it up? Yeah, I got it. Uh, so Luke titled it. We get it, 2008, Luke. That's the name of it. You posted it on November 4th, and then you, you yeah, wrote, read. you just feel things so deeply. And then this is what, do you want to say what the image is? You want me to? So it's just, it's basically a Facebook <laughs> status from, from 2008. And at that point in time, I think, I don't think you could just write anything. I think you could write Luke Carey is or Luke Carey, and then you could like complete the rest. And what's it, what does it say? It says <laughs> November 3rd, 2008. Oh, gosh. Think these lyrics sum it up. I want me a city girl, all dirty and scarred. I'm done with these Christian girls. They play me like a card. Fucking <laughs> 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 tool. Get out of yourself. <laughs> Look, you just feel things so deeply. Go on a run, you fat piece of shit. <laughs> the best line is Erica. Erica in, in Patreon writes, I want to see those four comments. Because it says right underneath that four comments. Oh, man. And I, I pulled it up, and there's only two comments, and it's me responding. Oh, shit. There are two comments, and it's me, and I'm like, who are the other two? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's – actually, it's kind of funny because I, I, I have been listening to that guy kind of recently because it uh, pulls it up on like on my car when I when – I, Put my phone in um, sometimes, but uh, his name is uh, Jamie Randolph. He had an album called um, Villain. Super, super good. And it is a song called Christian Girls, and that's where it's from. <laughs> I, was, I remember just being like, oh, this is my life. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. <laughs> how, how insufferable was I? You still are. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing that, like about Facebook memories. It's just like, hey – 
You remember when you were 25? You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Embrace it. Embrace like, it. Imagine being like the girl that you're like, oh, that's, that's about me. That's, yeah, no kidding. That's weird. <laughs> that's weird. Well, great. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, back to my oh, life. <laughs> the only people who know who this post is about is, oh, I don't know, all my friends and all of his friends, which became all my friends. <laughs> I know. That's a thing. Like, that's the thing. Like, it just, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. It just, it's just so, it's funny, like, Facebook, if you're a certain kind of person, which I'm going to say both Shall of us it. kind of are, like, just don't. <laughs> like, just kind of, there's just no reason for anyone to see what you're feeling so deeply at this point in time. It's so funny. It's so funny, Luke. I mean, come on. That is so you. Like, like what Like what do you think, what do you, what did I think was going to happen if I posted that? Like, like, what was the point of that besides the, just like... We all know what the point is. The point is to tell her how you feel. Oh, exactly. Yeah, without yeah. telling her how you feel. <laughs> no, no, right? no. <laughs> right? No, that, no, this is a master class on how to be an <laughs> asshole. Right? Like, it is. You, know, you know what you would have to do this beforehand is you would have to stalk her. And go to her favorite place that only, you know, like you know about because you were in a relationship and then accidentally bump into her. You know, like that's the, but we, now with social media, we can do that all the time. Right? Yeah. That's like, true. Or, or okay. you find it one of her friends and just talk to her about how great you're doing or how terrible you're doing, knowing uh, that it'll eventually get back. That's the I did that with Brittany Brown. So, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny because that, I did that, that with Britney Spears. Britney Spears. You know what's okay? Let me let me ask oh, you this, and then we can get to the real uh, real. I'm serious uh, stuff. We're only an hour in. Go on. Yeah, <laughs> I promise we were going, only going to record for about an hour. Do you think that you did Facebook bring that out of you or that temptation out? Like, do you think you would have been that weird guy that would have like not like not weird? Because I don't think we're like we're, we're not like stalkers or anything. Obviously, that sounds weird to say out loud, but. Like, was it Facebook that really um, allowed us to indulge it to that point? Or would yeah. we have found another way to indulge it to, to be that ridiculous? The thing is, it's frictionless. That's why it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Right? Like, all I have to do is fire up my phone or my keyboard. You know, I, I can say whatever the hell I want. That's the thing that, like, it's the lack of friction that makes the online world so great and so awful at the same time that we, I don't think, I think there are a whole host of behaviors that maybe, maybe you would have stalked. Maybe you would have accidentally run into her or one of her friends or whatever. Maybe you would have stalked. That feels so weird to hear. Right. But people do that. Like people did like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, not stalking as like you're tracking her every move, but like, well, you know, I know she works out of this YMCA, so I'm going to go there too. And maybe happen to be there at the same time. Yeah. 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 And then if she doesn't show up, you're, you know, but it's just crazy. I think, I think it, Facebook has made it easy for us to be the super creep because they call it Facebook stalking or profile stalking where you log on to their Facebook page or their Instagram or whatever, and you go and see what they're up to, right? So the other side of it is not just the depressed bemoaning of, <laughs> of an angsty 20 something, but the other side of it is I'm better now that you're not in my life. Look at all these awesome things in my life. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and then, but think about this, 
So most young people are on Instagram, not really on Facebook. So they can post all the beautiful, filtered, touched up, posing pictures of them living their best life. Now, even if they are a miserable wretch, you know, and, and they're so sad of their breakup, just to hurt the person in case they face they stalk them online, you know, or go look at their profile. And so think about that. Like you can create a fake image because you're just taking a picture. You're just going to – let's say you go to a Christmas party or a Thanksgiving party. You take a bunch of smiling photos. You leave the party early because you know, you're know you terribly sad and you're going to cry the whole night and get lost in a gallon of ice cream. Like, but One all the time. People, <laughs> but all the people see is the picture. So you can really hurt other people. By really hiding who you are, if all if they can get a steady stream of these fake, t- you know what I mean, like uh, mm-hmm. choreographed mm-hmm. lifestyle photos, right? You, the same thing that makes you know people become you know anorexic and bulimic trying to attain these perfect images of beauty on Instagram, and then you find out that it's all filtered and standing positions and sucking in here and tucking in there and blah 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 and. You know, all these unhealthy things that people do to to get the six-pack abs, and then people hate themselves because they don't look like that. You know, you can do – you can make someone hate themselves because they broke up with you and now look at you living your best life. Even if you're not, you can you can, you can can fake it for, for a, you know, a 10-second photo. Well, and I, and I think – I think that's pernicious. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there is a thing I th- where for us – and I, this is where I think you're right, like to definitely like – acting like a man child here part of that i think is just like learning to navigate i mean part of it is just a personality thing right and just trying to like um navigate stuff and like your worst parts coming out because of you know or whatever mm-hmm. um part of it is just trying to um, figure out life because probably i'd say for me around 27 28 when any like every girl just kind of stopped being the end of the world you know, yeah. like we're like, you know, like uh, everything if it didn't work, like that's when I kind of started to figure it started to be like, OK, so this is this is like how this works. There were definitely times when like things weren't great and I would be like upset about stuff. Uh, but it it started to take on a like a little I had a much easier time walking away from certain things. Let me just put it that way. Mm. I, I think there, but there's also an element, too, of where I think Catholic young adult culture just isn't necessarily always and. I'm not saying that it needs to be um, perfect. It like hardly is, but there is a little bit of like Catholic uh, culture at at play here, where we just put so much weight on this stuff, and we make everyone yeah. take it so like so seriously, and so um, it just it gets blown out of proportion. I think I think we just give um, dating. I mean, it's, it's it's like a serious thing that can do something that can really mess you up, and and it can make some really like awesome things happen. But there is this, this part to it where it's like, and I still. We, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, and I haven't quite – I don't know how to put it in a way where I'm like, this is the problem. But there is just some part of it where it's like it gets really unhealthy really fast. And it's easy to get wrapped up in that. And when you throw in on social media into that – because like – I mean I kind of like – like how much better would my life had been probably if like a couple of these girls I just never spoke to or like heard from again. Like if you don't have any of that, there's no like FaceTiming, there's no Skyping, there's none of this stuff, and it's just like yeah, you're just gone, it's done. And would it? I don't, I don't, I and and how much easier would 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 that have been? And I think, and this is where I kind of go back to like sometimes I feel like the man child thing. I agree to a point, but there is an element where it's like you do need to learn to be okay 
with your life and yourself and not always in the context of like um, dating and marriage. Like I would agree with you the whole like well, man child thing of what was going on there. I'm, I, I, I'm not saying that that's like, but I don't think getting married solved your problems though. No, no, no. no. You know, and that's and I think that's what a lot of people think you've got to do, yeah. and that's kind of the mindset that that like you have that your life yeah. is somehow on pause, or if, if you don't have that yet. Yeah, that's the saddest thing, and I, f- I find that still. I mean, you would think in a culture that. Uh, doesn't have as high regard for marriage that that would bleed into the Catholic spheres. But really what you're finding is um, that we all still devout Catholics tend to operate devout Catholic young adults tend to operate from the myth of the car wash where once I get married, it's going to fix all the broken things within me. And it's like, no, now you're just going to have to deal with another person's broken things. Like there are so many times I wish I could, no, let me rephrase that. I am so grateful for the profound and, yes, dramatic uh, suffering that I went through with that breakup with Shannon because it took that uh, heartbreak to really communicate to me that I was being a boy, like I was being a child, and I was asking things of Shannon that I had no right to ask of any woman, of anyone, right? And hmm. it, it really took – I mean, I basically told her, wait till I feel like it. And the hmm. suffering of it was the, – the realization was, um, one, in who what, – what a good she was for me, that she actually made me a better person. She didn't make me a worse person. There are very few women in my life at that time that, that could have ever come close to what she did for me and who she was for me, right? Mm-hmm. And so within that context, my brain never uh, – di- I didn't see her for what she was worth until it was gone. And then I was like, holy crap, I lost so much in losing her, right? I lost so much. I didn't just lose a, a, a beautiful woman who was my friend. Like I lost the other half of me, and I didn't realize it because she was always there, and I could take her for granted. And and that's exactly what my spiritual director said. You know, Father Father John uh, Ignatius said, like the reason why you did that is because you lost your gratitude for. Her. And um, you know, part of being married is there are so many millions of little sacrifices that you have to do. But it's not drudgery when you're in love. It still is difficult. It's still a sacrifice. But when you're in love, you're like, yeah, but she's worth it. You know, she's worth giving up this. She's worth giving that. And now you have to do that four or five more times, you know, depending on how many kids you have, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With every kid, you have to think, okay, yeah, but they're worth it. Noah's worth it. Thomas is worth it. Mm-hmm. Kateri and Cecilia, they're worth it. Um, and, it and it is amazing. And, and not to not to over-romanticize it, um, but we really do sell ourselves. Um, we really do sell marriage and children short when we live in a world that worships self-autonomy. Um, being, you know, having my time, my place, my space. Mm-hmm. There's an important mm-hmm. part for that. There is. The, it, it's very important that we safeguard, you know, realms for our own sanity. But at the same time, I think we are losing so much um, by sacrificing difficult but beautiful things for the sake of comfort and um, for the sake of our auto- autonomy. Like uh, uh, many, like Western civilization's tombstone is going to, is going to have the word, uh, you know, was killed by autonomy, right? By the worship of autonomy, right? Like, 
I and and so I I just saw that in my I just saw very clearly that I had subordinated love to freedom and Christ did the opposite. He subordinated freedom to love. And I I failed my wife. I failed Shannon who then became my wife. So, yeah. But even if you like you look at what I was doing though, I think it's still an autonomous thing. I think it's still it's it's a way of being like, "Hey, I refuse to walk away from like this relationship and but what's making me being so dramatic is it's not working out the way that I want it to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know like like that's like that like that's like that's really what's actually going going on there is 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 like this like thing of like I'm refusing to leave this. <laughs> you know, really. And that's and that's because like like how I mean it was just like that's what was that's what was happening <laughs> over Just and went over on and on. And on. <laughs> but but like but even with like when I look back on you know th- when I look back on that relationship, there were some real, um, there were some things that ha- that came out down the road that make a lot of things makes like make yeah. make sense. So this person has had to endure, and I feel so bad for her yeah. and all the stuff. Um, um, just like health wise and stuff, I'm I'm trying to be very very I'm careful here that it's um, not your story to share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, and she seems to be in a great place now, so that's that's fantastic. Um, Good. Now I got uh, I have. Uh, are you? Oh, are you done? Are you no, done? no. Because like, okay. I, w- I want to just say like one thing here that I that like the the drama of that that was on dis- that was on display is still there's a part of it if i really wanted to make that work i could have yep i knew exactly what i needed to do to make that work and i didn't do it cuz i deep down i didn't really want it yeah yeah you know and i and that and that's and like that's the thing that i'm that, that's like that's this is the thing i kind of continually go back to i think when i talk with certain people about something like if you really want to get married for the most part and this isn't always the case Okay, well, I'm going to be very clear that this isn't always the case. But if you really, really want that, there are plenty of girls that I could have dated when I was in college. There are plenty of relationships that I like. I that, like. I like walked away from, and there were there were plenty of relationships and things that I. I mean, I there's one specifically that I you know I can remember. It was like I stopped, and then she got interested, and I was already like, now I'm done. You know, and and just like like there's just and if. I don't think we realize how true that actually is mm-hmm. and how a lot of the time the stuff like of the drama that we, that we experience isn't like a suffering the world is projecting onto us that that does that you know can happen like a lot of times this is like I could get better by just like walking away but I'm not and I want everyone to make sure you know that that's that's really what's going on there so it's 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 not even like this weird like um I I want to I want to to bring all this up because I think there are some people who are like I'm single who if they had their choice like they wouldn't be and I I do want to kind of get rid of some of the stigmatism that's on that a bit because I'm like it's not a bad life like it's not a bad way to live in the slightest um it's it's like the it's the it's that like autonomy part where it's where that that's that's where it gets a mess up it's not in like the vocation it's in the approach to it's in the approach to the vocation, and I think that being a single really does a lend itself. It's very easy to fall into like like self absorption because you just have the, you, but it doesn't mean that like that's a 
that I, I, I just – because like some people, they're, they just haven't found the spouse or it hasn't worked out or like some, or like they're they got engaged and the person died you know like it's and it's not their fault like or let I me mean, think of how many like pretty girls we know who are still not married yeah i like, do not i do not understand there are so many they're, they're not I broken they're great yeah and it's like and, and and that's and this is like this is what i'm trying to get is like you can have a very happy life and i and i'm not but it's actually – but, like, the, the, the people who are single who are, like, happy, they have a life where they are a gift to others. And that's the key to it all is, like, being a gift to others within the context of your vocation. So me being miserable wasn't because I was – I'm single and all – and, like, all – and all of the drama. I was miserable and with, with all of the drama because I was a selfish asshole. Mm. Like that's and I'm sorry. I just, I just want to make that point because I think that I think that's a really key um, a distinction there. Like you do not have to wait to be married to be a gift to others to find happiness. Right, your life ain't on pause. Exactly, exactly. Do you want to talk about the heavy stuff, which is why we postponed the, the interview till next week? Or oh, motherfucker! I totally forgot. <laughs> sorry, I, I literally have it written down. Things you are not thankful for. <laughs> You, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not laughing. I mean, this is horrible. No, that is that is so funny. Yeah. Okay. So, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago in the show that my confirmation sponsor was an FSSP priest named Father James Jackson. Apparently, Luke reaches out to me. Hey, have you been in the Discord lately? And I said, No, I haven't. He said, Can you please tell me the name of the priest? Because I think it's this guy that just got arrested. And I'm like, What are you talking about? It can't be him. Like this guy wrote the most anti-pre-sex abuse letters to his congregation and blah, 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 like all this stuff. Like, I know this guy. This guy never once, never once set off a creepy vibe in that regard to me. And I was a high school student, spent a lot of time with the guy doing the homeschool co-op thing. My boy, Chris Miller, my best friend, Chris Miller, he had some issues with Father James Jackson, but it was more with a a different priest at the FSP. SP church in Denver. Luke sends me this. He's like, no, I think this Father James Jackson guy, you need to Google it. And I Googled it. I mean, Luke. Luke! I know. I know. <laughs> when was the last time that you spoke with him? Oh, I mean, years ago. Years and years That's what ago. I, okay. Yeah. yeah I, I yeah. haven't talked to him any... Like, he wouldn't know me. He probably wouldn't know me from Adam. Oh, really? You know, hey, remember when you were in Tulsa, Oklahoma? There was this chubby homeschooler who always desperately tried to impress you, but uh, couldn't run very fast. His name was Gomer, and he's got a <laughs> podcast or two. And, uh... <laughs> but he's like, let's narrow it down. <laughs> what? Was he uh, afraid of women? Yes. Ah, yeah. No, that doesn't narrow it down either. No, 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 no. no, no. So, anywho, so Father James Jackson, I I look it up, and he was just transferred out of Denver to another church, another diocese, like in, uh, I don't know, Maryland or something like that. And he got arrested and for child pornography viewing and distributing, I guess. And um, he is now held in, he is in Kansas. But I believe it's an FBI investigation. Like, they're, they're helping out with it. And so he's in Kansas with a relative agreeing not to flee and blah, blah, blah. Uh, good Lord. Um, the One of the things that I read, I didn't read it all, but one of the things that I read was, uh, oh, I think it was New Hampshire. Um, 
that the New Hampshire, not the arrest report, but like the report that he was arrested, said that the child pornography found on his computer and identified at times when he was in the rectory on that Wi-Fi was like pornography of not just children, but infants and toddlers. I just don't. I just, I just. Infants, babies in sexual acts. So you, you hear this. Now, I, I hope, I hope this is uh, a, a sign of the times and it's someone trying to frame him or something because it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. This is not the guy I knew. This is not the man that I admired as a priest. He was a cool guy. He was a Marine Corps chaplain. He served in the first Persian Gulf War. He was a funny, normal guy in terms of like he wasn't a stuck-up weirdo, unsocial, you know, whatever. Good Lord. And to read this, it's, it, it feels like a huge part of your life was a lie, if this is true. If this is true. It feels like it. If, like, just such a lie. So Chris Miller goes on, and because he's a lawyer, he knows all this stuff. He actually brought up the arrest report mm-hmm. that has a ton more details. Mm-hmm. And he wrote to me. He's like, I wish I, I wish I never did that. I wish I never did that. And I said, why? He said, it tells you the types, like, in detail of the pornography that he viewed. And it's horrific. If, you know, if true, it's it's horrific. And he's like, it seems like it's true because, number one, he didn't put out a statement to the contrary, at least not that I know of as of Wednesday, November 24th. Yeah, he didn't say anything to the contrary. And uh, he said th- this was a case that they were building. This was not a smash and grab all, all of a sudden, all at once kind of thing. So, yikes. <sighs> I, I just... No. <sighs> like, here's the thing. So I uh, was talking to Kevin Hunter about this last last night, and that's why I called you because he was like, I'm not sure if Gomer knows. I was like, you know, I was kind of wondering after all the discourse stuff, I hadn't, I hadn't heard from him, and I was like, I, I wonder if he just hasn't objected yet. Like, no one wins in this. Nope. Like, if this is a person who is framing him, well, that's beyond, that's evil. That's really, really fucked up to put that stuff on someone's computer, and they're like, you know, like, that's insane. If this is true, this is insane and evil. Like, there's just, like, everything about this, I'm just, like, and I I, I, I know I ha- have disagreements with um, certain, the way things have been portrayed in the, like, the Mass of the Ages film, but, like, this priest is at the, I believe it's a guy who's at the, I uh, was told, is at the end of that film to, like, kind of lead to their next one. I just feel so bad for them. And I mean, I, I mean, of course, if this is true. The victims, obviously, that's the worst. That's the worst part. It's just like what that, what, 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 yeah. what, what, what. Like, I don't even know what to say. Um, but it's like this is why when priests fall, it's so it sucks. It sucks. Yep. It sucks, and it's, it's not fair to anyone. Like, and I and it's like guys, pray for your priest and like be friends with them and have them over. I don't know what if this is true or not. I don't know anything. I mean, I, I just don't know. But I do know that my friend, Father Kyle, had a post on Facebook today that really hit me where he said uh, he, it, was, it was from a book where it's like like quite often where there's evil, priests are the first ones who are attacked because of um, – or a big part of like of, – of their, they're always a part of a group that's attacked because of the good that they do, that they're yeah. bringing the, – that they're saying mass and they're bringing Christ in, in – to the world in very concrete ways and, very, and probably the most important way that a person can through the mass and through confession. And I was like, that's 
kind of have a crazy point. Yeah. They are on the front lines just with the sheer fact of who they are. Yep. You know, the sheer fact of who they are and what they do. Like they are like I sometimes I really struggle with like Satan and demons and all that stuff. And I had to like listen to like uh, David Nickel talk about, okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, because I mean, I, I right, right, right. like acknowledge it, but it's just, it's still, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's just not easy for me to be like, of course, it's all true, you know. Um, but when I see the battle that these guys go through and the stuff that they have to endure, and I, I just, I like, I just, I don't know what we, what, what we need to do something for them. And I don't know what that is yet. I don't know what that um looks like. And it could just be more prayer and more like it could be like maybe we need to stop putting them on like a, on like a pedestal a bit, or the pedestal needs to be even higher. Yeah, higher or, pedestal. That's true. That's true. Yeah. No, I mean, well, no, but like, like perhaps we do need to kind of start like saying like I, I don't I don't I don't know if the answer to this is like be better friends with your priest. Have some um distance so they can kind of like have the fraternity that they need amongst their yeah. like priest brother. You know, like I, I don't mean have have like your distance from priests, but like, do I need to like make sure that like they're getting the time that like they need with each other? That's right. what I mean by that. Yeah, uh, Father David made this comment to me. He said, "You want to know one thing that destroyed fraternity among the priests?" I said, "Yeah, what's that?" And he said, "Evening Sunday masses." And he's like, you know, all the trends of getting youth ministry masses like Sunday evening. I was like, how? Why? Why would that? That's he's like, that's interesting. It's the only time priests have to meet with each other. He's like, very, very common. You would have, you know, after the noon mass or whatever, the handful of priests in the area would all get together for dinner. He's like, you don't have, the, and many of them were off for on Monday, especially if you're a pastor. So it's like, oh, look at that. You know, we destroyed their, we destroyed their life, <laughs> everything. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because with Father David, it's not downtime that he's, he needs sleep, which he doesn't get enough of, but it's funny. It's not like downtime. You know what I mean? He doesn't, he does need downtime, but he, I'm trying to think of this in a way, like for him, it's a seamless thing to go from waking up early to do my whole, uh, my liturgy, the hours to get that done before I go pray the rosary, before I go celebrate Mass by myself if I don't have a, you know, scheduled mass, you know, to to then go to adoration, to then go and go to work. Like those, you know, an answer email, those are different things for him. Whereas for me, you know, if I'm praying for <laughs> for my parish, that's jobby job and it's hard to separate. It's hard to separate those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's so seamless in his life. And uh, to say that I'm thankful for people like him in the presence of 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 insane evil. <sighs> yeah. And I asked him, I said, how hard is it for priests to to be friends? And he said, many priests want to be bachelors. And Bishop Barron says that over and over and over again. He said, Cardinal George hammered into us, you are not bachelors. You are not bachelors. You are married men. You are married to the church. You have more children than you can handle. So don't think of yourself and act like a bachelor. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and Father David said, like, that's one of the biggest things is that's what that's what priests do. And they, they want to be bachelors in that they also want to be alone. And so for a young guy who needs community is like, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't do this way. So they yeah. got to find it with their priests some other way. 
I really, I had a hard time, and I'll, I, I know we need to wrap um, yeah. stuff up, so I'll keep this short. I had a hard time with this my last year in Idaho because of all the craziness that, ha- that had happened the yeah. first year, and be like, okay, so I need to like kind of not give certain people an inch here, and you have anything to like that could remotely cause scandal. So I just kind of didn't go out to bars as much, and you know, definitely didn't date. And when you're constantly in charge, and when you're a leader. I'm experiencing this even now. Like you need, like time for your brain to take a break. Like y- you need a little bit of um, solitude in the sense of, uh, I got to like, how do I come down? You know, like how, what does coming down I'm gonna look like? And this is this is actually a topic that I wanted to, to talk about for a, a couple weeks. How do I blow off steam? Because there were some times that I'm like, I told this to Aaron last last week. I was like, Aaron, I just tonight, I'm just going to choose whatever we watch, and you can't complain. <laughs> Like I just need my brain to shut off. So we watched. Um, we watched Band of Brothers. Oh, and uh, what I mean by that is like I just like I was like I could feel myself just like I just I've got to stop everything because I'm, I'm. It's just it's all too much. Grad school, work, and family and life. It's like I just I'm gonna like lose my mind if I don't just stop for 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 a, for a bit. And it was really it was very nice. But in Idaho, I had a hard time doing that. And then coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Could be an ADHD, could be you know or whatever, but I really did. So like, what would be like a couple hours would turn into like a whole weekend of just like, well, now I've just watched Netflix for an entire weekend. You know, my, you know, and that's and it's it, it it's it's really really difficult to actually try to find that balance of like, how do I get the respite, the respite, or like I'm not sure what the exact the exact word is. It's twelve thirty. How do I get the real? I'm talking true rest not like just like how do i just give my brain and everything in my life just a second yeah and then come out of that to where that was benefit because there are times when i like have you ever had that where it's like if i don't get this i'm gonna lose my mind yeah like so how do you come out of that that's that for me that's where i that's where i'm like i don't know i don't know quite yet how to navigate that and i don't either Mm. send your ideas to the crunch at gmail.com (laughs) <laughs> they don't have Gmail. Yeah, they're probably on Twitch or something like that. Oh my gosh, it's like an old. Probably on Twitch or something like that. Well, we did we just end on a downer. We did. You have a good day. You have a happy thanks Thanksgiving. I hope you guys have a wonderful time. Oh, thank you. You I too, mean bud. That. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>